This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I want to introduce you to an absolutely fascinating man who not only is a great storyteller and has been a great chronicler of stories for many years, but he has an incredible interesting story to tell. A lot of you are familiar with O.B. Murray. He's been a guest on this show before. He's been an occasional uh, co-host of this program. He said to me a few months ago, he says, you got to take a look at this book. I know this fellow that wrote it, and it's just an incredible story. And look, Obi knows the stack of books that I have to go through, so I don't take a book recommendation for him lightly, from him lightly because he knows what I'm up against. And then I pick up the book, and I'm pretty interested in it. And then I see this incredible piece that CBS Sunday Morning did on American Ramble, a walk of memory and renewal. I said, when you hear this man talk, he's even more impressive than when you read him on the printed page. So I I was thrilled when he accepted our very early morning invitation to be on the show. I am very pleased to welcome veteran journalist, founder and editor of Gotham Canoe, and the author of the new book, American Ramble, A Walk of Memory and Renewal, Neil King Jr. Neil, thanks for getting up early for us. Frank, it's fantastic to be here, and I'm out in Nova Scotia, so truth be told, it's an hour uh, later, <laughs> so it's a little later. <laughs> Got it. All right, you're cheating. All right. Um, Neil, feel, uh, fill folks in. You had a very successful career as a journalist. Uh, you've won the Pulitzer Prize. Your coverage for the Wall Street Journal had gotten a lot of acclaim. You also wrote for a lot of other publications over the years. How do you go from having this successful career as a journalist to do a 330-mile walk from D.C. to New York in 26 days? What made you want to do this? You know, I live right by the Capitol in uh, Washington, D.C. It just it struck me one day, hey, what if I walked out my door and, you know, saw what it looked like to be a pedestrian through the most crowded part of the country and picked my way up to New York City, to Central Park, actually, by foot. And uh, I thought about it, thought about it, looked at the route, studied the history in between, and I realized, dang, a good portion of our whole country's story is between those two places. What if I went out and kind of tried to unearth it and look at it and talk to the folks along the way and see what America was up to and thinking about. And that's basically what I did. So when you would, obviously, I'm sure you would stop to eat and sleep and take a rest when you were tired. Where would you stop along the way as you're walking this path, along this path? You know, I decided I wasn't going to be camping. So once you decide that, then it's actually hard. You know, that you would think, wow, there's going to be tons of motels. It's a crowded area. But I was staying in you know, inns, B&Bs, Airbnbs, you know, above people's garages, uh, you know, rented rooms of various kinds. And this was the March of 2021, uh, March and April. So most of us had been vaccinated, but the whole COVID thing was very thick then still. And people were just barely tiptoeing out of their houses. So it was an unusual spring to step out into. But really a fantastic one for that. You alluded to making an effort to stop and talk to people. Who would you talk to? How would you decide to talk to folks? Or would you talk to anybody that you encountered? 
you know, my rule was anybody that I came upon was a person of value and could teach me something. And it really held to be true. I would just run into people in their driveways, uh, you know, out doing something in their yard. I had an amazing encounter with a whole class of um, Mennonite school kids who were playing softball in Lancaster County. And they invited me into their class and sang hymns to me that were just spectacular. And I've remained in touch with that class and the teacher. And I've been up there a bunch of times. And, you know, it was just there were the meetings I arranged, you know, that I wanted to meet the mayor of York, Pennsylvania, and historians and folks like that. But the folks I met just by chance were really amazing, um, pretty much without a fault. There were a few people that weren't so spectacular, but they were the minority. Did anything surprise you either during this journey or after you concluded it? Yes, you know, a lot of things. But one of them is that um, you go out for a month like this and just pay attention to the landscape in the spring and the story of the way. And I don't know, it just sort of opens your spirit up over that length of time. I wasn't still in my ears with music or anything. And it was just, I guess it was kind of the, the spiritual uplift of it in a way. I just had these bizarre and amazing moments of joy along the way that. You mentioned the fact that you would. Mind you, you mentioned the fact that you would try and talk to anyone that you thought you could learn something from. I realize, you know, this is a big part of what the book is about, but give us a few bullet points of some things you learned along the way. Yeah, I mean, I would I learned, for one, that there's a different America out there than the one that we see by car or on the television screens or on the flat screens of our computers that is filled with a lot of generosity. Um, even the folks whose politics were not my politics, I got on with because, you know, we're not just political beings. We have other things going on. So, you know, I'd meet a funny guy working in his barn and yeah, he was a little out there with what he believed in as we talked about it, but he had all these amazing tractors that he showed me that were really extraordinary. And that was sort of his passion. So, you know, we are rounded individuals. I think we've kind of flattened one another into sort of enemy camps as we look across our high fences and going out on a walk like this really kind of tears those fences down. Um, and, you know, the other thing I realized, which would probably be a lot of surprising to a lot of your New York area listeners, is you can walk from Washington, D.C. pretty much all the way to Manhattan through just various kinds of beauty. Um, you know, once you get very close to the city, maybe that gets a little tougher. But, you know, I went across into Staten Island. I know that's where you came from. I, I made the way up there. I, I went over and had a fantastic moment when I first saw the beauty and splendor of Manhattan that morning from the Bayonne Bridge, and I got a guy to take me across by boat, across the Hudson into the marina there, right by the World Trade Center site. And, you know, there were so many folks that just stepped up to ferry me across bodies of water and the like, and, and I've kept in touch with all those folks in there. There are a lot of great people wow. out there. That's great, and I'm sorry to get to see you when you were on Staten Island, and as a lifelong Staten Islander, I'm embarrassed that I've never walked across the, uh, the Bayonne Bridge myself. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, in reading your book, and if people just tuning in, we're talking with Neil King Jr., his book is American Ramble, A Walk of Memory and Renewal. He walked 330 miles from D.C. to New York in, uh, in 26 days. It really did remind me a little bit of the movie Forrest Gump and Forrest Gump's journey of running. And people would just sort of join him to run across different swaths of the country. Did, uh, did that comparison come into your head at all at any point? You know, my, my doctor uh, kind of laughed at my whole thing because I'd had a gone through a whole cancer scare and stuff. And she, she took to calling me Forrest. And, you know, the other thing was, um, as I went, you know, the whole Forrest thing where he gets more and more and more followers, I would just meet people that were aware that I was doing this because they'd seen it on Twitter or whatever. And, you know, people would be like, hey, are you that guy who's walking in New York? You mind if I walk with you for a while? So a guy met me in Staten Island. We walked. You know, for uh, half an hour, 45 minutes, there were folks in Jersey that I ran into that had heard, heard about the walk. They joined me. And there was a whole bunch of hiking club when I crossed the Delaware into New Jersey that met me when I came to the other side. And so there were a lot of folks like that. There was a little bit of a correlation. And uh, you're breaking up a little there, uh, Neil. I don't want to miss too much. I know the uh, Nova Scotia mobile phone lines may not be the best, but... Why did you make the decision to stop at the Ramble in Central Park? Why not stop at another location or why not just keep going to see how far you could go? You know, I love the Ramble just because it's such an amazing oddity stuck in the middle of Manhattan, all those sort of tangled pathways. And it just felt like a a proper destination. And, you know, the 26-day Washington to New York felt like the proper length of a walk. And I still think maybe I'll one day do it up to Boston or something. I have a bunch of other different ideas of things I want to do in that regard, but it felt like the perfect journey to me. You refer to this as a walk of memory and renewal. And I know the, the chapter in which you, you meet the mayor of York, you talk a little bit about memory. Uh, you call it the memory boom. What does memory have to do with taking a long walk across the country like this? You know, a lot of it was um, our national memory. Who is it that we decide to remember? How do we remember our uh, founding events or our early story? And, you know, I'd walked out the door soon after the killing of George Floyd and the whole fight over statues and what statues we should turn down, tear down and all of that. And, you know, it's a fascinating thing. There are so many of our, you know, people from the past who we honor And then so many amazing figures that we've forgotten altogether. And I kind of unearth some of those as I go and and hope to kind of give some of these people more prominence than they have now, maybe even their own statues down the road. What can you learn by hanging out at a New Jersey landfill and visiting a New Jersey landfill? You know, that was a great uh, turn of events. Um, It's the Middlesex landfill there right on the banks of the river. And I had, um, you know, we collectively are building these mountains all around the country built of our trash. And that landfill, given another 20 or 30 years, could be the highest promontory 
um, south of Maine along the Atlantic seaboard, um, rivaling, you know, Mount Tote or, uh, you know, there in Staten Island, uh, which is like 420 feet high. And, um, you know, I went up with the guys who run it and it was just interesting. And of course, a little disturbing to see. I started at the Eisenhower administration at the base of the landfill and walked up to that morning's trash spilling around my feet. And, you know, it's our history sort of being built uh, going upwards. And, um, you know, and from that landfill, I saw my first tiny glimmer of Manhattan. So it was a kind of an irony that the mountain I climbed to see Manhattan was a mountain built of trash. (laughs) Ironic indeed. Talking with Neil King Jr. His book is American Ramble. How did you get back? How did you get back home after walking all the way to New York? So uh, my wife, who's actually Obi Murray's cousin, um, has a job up in um, Manhattan. She works at Columbia University. And so, you know, she has a little apartment up there. And the next day, uh, you know, we jumped in the car and I kind of grimly sat in the passenger seat looking out the window. And in four hours, we did what took me 26 days in the other direction. And, you know, we pull into the garage in Washington and she turns to me and she says, uh, now, don't go all dark on me, <laughs> you know, and uh, I didn't go all dark, but it was a little shocking to sort of be back to the regular order world of cars and all the rest of it. Because, you know, I'd kind of stepped through a wardrobe into a pretty magical territory that's out there for anybody to find if you just sort of go about it deliberately. And now I was sort of back in the, you know, regular uh, streets of my own hometown. And in terms of um, your own personal decision to do this, you alluded to your 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 cancer scare and your surviving uh, esophageal uh, cancer. What does kind of confronting mortality do to your psyche that would make you want to go on a journey like this? You know, it does two things, Frank. One is it, it gives you a higher sense of urgency and if you want to do the things that have been hanging out there for a while, you better get around to do it uh, and not put it off. And the other thing it did, which is a little bit more unexpected, is it just gave the world kind of a higher degree of vibrancy and, 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 and beauty, I guess. And so I, my appreciation level was just really magnified. And when I walked out, it was really with the desire to appreciate the landscape, these things that we just fly over in our cars, the Susquehanna River, the Delaware River, the Hudson, the valleys, the spring itself. And I think all that stuff was given a heightened sense of importance because of what I've been through. Would you recommend this to someone? I would recommend it to anybody who feels physically able to do it and, you know, well-equipped for it. And, you know, I'm good at this kind of stuff because I'm a lifelong journalist and I've traveled all over the world. And, you know, approaching people along their, you know, uh, driveways or whatever is pretty natural to me. But, um, you know, a lot of people think this kind of thing is just dangerous to start with. And it's just not, generally speaking. Um, And it's just a time unlike any other time. And, you know, it sounds weird, I'm sure, to a lot of people. What? I ain't going to do that. But, uh, you know, it was just a matter of a couple of days before I started looking at the cars as the odd thing. and you kind of take on the vantage point of a, a deer or a rabbit or something along the road, like just wanting to stay out of their way, but otherwise not feeling that you have all that much in common with them. 
<laughs> I know at the end of the book you have some great recommendations for books about walking or books that people can read on long walks. Did you read while you were walking or would you only read when you'd stop and take a break? No, I did not read while I was walking. Um, I had read a lot beforehand, and I know you read a lot. Um, not just um, other walking books, but, um, you know, books that people had written on Alexis de Tocqueville and Charles Dickens and all these people who came to America in the 1820s, 30s, 40s to write about this baffling place, you know, kind of saying, is this place going to succeed? Is it going to come together? And um, those books really helped kind of formulate my own thinking with similar questions as I went out uh, to do my walk. You describe sort of a change in your philosophy of looking at time. And when you were a student at Columbia and working as a cabbie in New York, you basically were kind of anti-vacation. You were opposed to vacations. And now it seems like that philosophy has changed. Why were you anti-vacation in your youth and what caused your philosophy to change? I mean, I was kind of a jerk. You know, when you're 20 years old, you have a pretty pristine view of the world that maybe isn't all that practical. And I kind of jokingly relate a conversation I had when I was a cab driver in New York and these two women got in the cab and they were bubbling with excitement about their trip to Jamaica to uh, go to a sandals. And I, I turned to them and I said, why don't you two just quit your jobs and just go out into the world and just see what it, where it takes you and, and not know when you're coming back. And, and they're like, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, my view sort of then was when you go somewhere, you just leave things behind and you go off on a trip uh, and you don't know when you're coming back, but that's a little impractical. So I've, uh, you know, I've, we all modify our views as we go along. Uh, last question, Neil, what kind of shoes did you wear during this walk? You know, I wore this pair of Ultras. Uh, they're called Lone Peak, and they're really good walking shoes. And I did some fishing, so I even went into rivers with them on and stuff like that. And they, they held up uh, well, and uh, I still have them. All right. Neil King Jr., the book is American Rambles, available on Amazon or most other places. Books are sold. Neil, let's talk again. I enjoyed the conversation very much. I was uh, really fantastic, Frank. Really impressed by your attentiveness to this. And let's definitely do it again. Thank you. Neil King Jr., American Ramble. You want to be heard for 15 seconds. Now's the time. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.